forward. Our Holy Father, Pius X, at the beginning of his pontificate, issued a great letter to the whole world in which he said it was the desire of his heart to restore all things in Christ. Small as our share must be in such a great work, we can, at least as faithful children of our Holy Father, begin with ourselves and strive to make our own life an imitation of the life of Jesus of Nazareth, to know him in the flesh, how he lived and talked and acted when he was upon earth, should surely be to us not only of the greatest interest, but also the most inspiring call to action and faithful service. Our dear Lord was simplicity itself, and the translator of the present work has put before us in simple language that story, the greatest that the world has ever known. To make ourselves familiar with the life of Jesus Christ, from Bethlehem to Calvary and to the Mount of the Ascension, is a most efficacious way to warm our souls with a love for him who died that we might live, a most sure way of having him with us through all the days of our life, and even in the hour when he calls us to that land where he waits for us. J. Cardinal Gibbons Preface this volume presents to its young readers, in a manner suited to their age, the life on earth of our blessed Lord. We follow him in this story related for us by his own immediate followers in the pages of the Holy Gospel. We see him as an infant, a child, a grown boy, and then, in the fullness of his power, as a man. His whole life is worthy of our study because nothing begins to compare in value, either in time or eternity, with the life of Jesus Christ. Nothing is more beneficial to the young boy or girl of today than a knowledge of that life. He will find in it the instruction that he most needs. He will find therein how to live as a boy, and afterwards as a man, and in imitating Christ, he will bring out the very best that is in himself, both from an earthly and a heavenly standpoint. We must remember that Jesus Christ came down from heaven and became a man and lived his human life to show us how we ought to live. There is no one to whom he does not speak directly through that life, and it is just as valuable, just as practical, now as it was in the days when Christ walked upon the earth. As we grow up and meet the little or big things of everyday life, we are called upon to show our worth and our character, or to show that we haven't anything of either, which, God forbid, every day we are called upon to do this little work of study or of errands at home, to keep our temper in this game or under this trial, to be pure, not to seek to satisfy our curiosity or our senses by indulging in this pleasure or in that, to keep our religious duties, to love our parents, our brothers, our sisters, with a real, unselfish love. We are called upon to stand for honesty, for fair play, for truthfulness, for purity and cleanliness of life, all through our days. All these calls must come to every one of us,
they do come every day. And it is equally true that we need the example, the lesson of one who actually faced all the evils of the world, who had pain and suffering, and yet who conquered all and won out in all. Jesus Christ was a man among men, and in his manhood he gave an example of what every man should be, of what every one of us should be. In every case that comes before us where we must ask ourselves whether we will do this or that, whether we will refrain from this forbidden pleasure or yield to it, in every case we can readily see, since we know him, what Jesus Christ would have done and what he would wish us to do. There is no uncertainty about it. There is no doubt about it. Before us, as a great light, the greatest light the world has ever known, greater and more piercing than the sun, illuminating every soul, is the life of Jesus Christ. He has given his example. He has shown what ought to be done in every case to every boy and girl, every man and woman, to show forth the splendor and the practical value of that life has been the object of this grandmother's story. It has been a work of much labor, but of greater love. We wish that our children would study it, read it over time and time again, read the Gospels from which it is taken, sit down quietly now and again, and think of our Lord Jesus. Think of how we ourselves are imitating him. And always, day and night, pray to him in utter confidence and childlike affection and frankness and love. Then, indeed, will you love him even more than you do, and the sweetest, most gracious comfort in your life will be the personal love that you bear to Jesus Christ. And nothing, no sin of any kind, will ever separate you from him. That love will be your abiding support, and upon it you will find that you can lean when all else fails. May the knowledge and the love of him sink deep into your hearts, so deep that nothing will ever be strong enough or alluring enough to root it out. Live for him, grow like unto him, and then, as he was, so will you be kind and patient and pure and hopeful. In the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, you will possess him as your very own. Then will you speak to him and he to you, and the glories that your soul will know in its communions with him through life will be unfolded. In all their fullness, when he asks you to come to him in the kingdom where he now reigns. John J. Burke C.S.P. Introduction Sophie, Countess de Segur, was born in the year 1799 in Russia. Her father was the Count Rostopchin, who at that time was Prime Minister to the Emperor Paul. The Tsar stood godfather to little Sophie, who was baptized in the Greek Church, which later on in life Sophie renounced to embrace the Catholic faith. 
Sophie's childhood and girlhood were spent in Russia as one of a large and happy family of brothers and sisters. At an early age, she met and married the Count de Segur of France, in which country she ever afterwards resided. This happy union was blessed with many children, one of whom became Monsignor de Segur, so well beloved in Paris, where for many years he exercised his priestly ministry. His numerous writings, numbering at least one hundred brochures or small books, testify to his piety and love of little children. This affection for the lambs of his flock Monsignor de Segur imbibed from his mother, all her life a lover of children. When time had lessened her maternal cares, Madame de Segur found her greatest happiness in living over, in the company of her grandchildren, the years of her motherhood. She was the devoted grandmother of thirteen little ones, whose greatest delight was to listen to the stories she could so well tell and to which their mothers had listened as eagerly. It was not until late in life that Madame de Segur committed to writing these charming tales, and which to this day are read with delight by the children over the sea. Among these tales none was listened to with greatest interest than that wonderful story of God become man, and for thirty-three years making our earth his home. We can picture this happy band of little ones gathered on a bright morning in Grandma's sunny room and begging for the promised story of Christ. There they all are, Camille and her sister Madeline, Elizabeth and her four brothers, Peter, Henry, Louis, and Jack, and their cousins, Henrietta and Jane, Valentine, Mary, Teresa, and even Paul and little Louis, only five years old, all eager to hear. The sunlight streams in on expectant faces, on golden curls, brown hair, and grandma's white head. The canary sings his loudest while the children scramble for the places at grandma's right and left. Finally, all are seated, and grandma, seated in her big armchair, begins the story of Christ. <laughs> 